You want to transform yourself and improve your life. You long to help people. You wish to become healthier, happier, and more successful. This show is your opportunity to learn how to use hypnosis to make your life better. Each week, hypnotist Robbie Spear Miller interviews people who have already changed their lives in amazing ways with hypnosis. These models can help you discover your path to making the most of your life. If you want to learn how hypnosis can help you reach your goals, this show is for you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hypnosis Show podcast. Today, I'm honored to welcome Vicki Thomas to our show. She's going to help us learn how to escape weight loss sabotage. Vicki has over 20 years of experience as a hypnotist, master hypnosis trainer, and author. Vicki is awesome with kids, and she wrote 17 stories of how hypnosis rocks with kids, which you can get on Amazon. It's a great book for kids or parents or teenagers or even adults who are kids at heart to learn how you can use hypnosis to help you. One of her other main specialties is helping people lose weight, and I invited her on the show to share with you some amazing wisdom on how to lose weight and avoid the weight loss sabotage that people all too often get stuck in. Vicki is an exceptional hypnotic storyteller, and she draws people into a rich world of possibility, helping you use the amazing powers of your mind to be whole, happy, and fit. So great to have you here today, Vicki. Oh, I am honored to just hearing you say all of that. I feel so good. <laughs> well, it's all true. Thank you, Robbie. Why don't you start by just letting our audience get to know you a bit and tell us a little about what got you into hypnosis way back when. It's actually a very cool story because it involves my darling husband, Jim. Um, Jim and I met six weeks later. He asked me to move in with him. Six weeks later, we're engaged. And six weeks later, we're married. So 18 weeks start to finish, and we're still together, and it's been 23 years. One week after I moved, after I married him, he got a flyer in the mail to a hypnosis certification weekend, and he said, oh my gosh, I've always wanted to know about hypnosis. Please go to this. I have to work, and then come home and teach me everything you know. Well, I was a psych major at one of the major universities out here, and looking at years to complete that education. And I went, okay, I'll go to your hypnosis training class. And oh my God, it was so much fun and like intense and change was going on in the room. And I went, okay, that's it. I actually came home and I, well, I charged that day after being only married one week and only with this guy for 19 weeks. I charged on a full credit card the cost for a doctorate with American Pacific University in Hawaii. And I went home and I went, honey, you know that weekend you sent me to? <laughs> hey, I'm I'm quitting my job. And I did. And I have never looked back, never looked back. I, I uh, actually got like the bachelor's in psychology, finished that up. But then I went on to hypnosis, which I love. Never looked back, Robbie. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's so funny. I never heard this story before because my husband also introduced me to hypnosis in the first place. So if it weren't for him, I wouldn't be doing this either. Aren't they wonderful? Yeah. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah, they had no idea what they were getting us into. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but you know, Jim has supported me all along. Like, um, well, and I maybe should add the part of getting put into the doctor or the master hypnotist society because I'd obtained my doctorate. I was working with another training group and they never taught you how to do business, you know, how to, how to do the components. I was pretty good at technique and hypnotizing people. And I had a really expensive office in which most of my money was being dumped into rent. And I like, I was doing very, very well, but then I got a flyer from Scott McFall in the mail and it was about how to make money in this business. And, and it was a, it was a hypnosis boot camp, and, um, went to that. And again, I was just intrigued, like, Oh my gosh, I'd be making lots more money and literally walked away from his first training that I went to. And I think I made $80,000 in the next like three to six months and, and banked 80,000, not just made it, but profited 80,000 in the next three to six months. So meeting Scott McFall and becoming part of the, which, which later we made, we became the Master Hypnotist Society. That was when it was Scott McFall doing his trainings. So later, you know, we're all sitting in a room going, other hypnotists are not trained. They're trained the way I was. They might be trained in technique or, and have some skill, but even a lot of them didn't have skill. So then we went into forming the Master Hypnotist Society and here we are. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. So one of the things that we all specialize in is helping people lose weight. And so today, what I'd love is for you to share with our audience tips or stories or examples of how people can get out of typical things that sabotage people when they're trying to lose weight. Because let's face it, everybody knows what to do, but it's really being able to stay on track and have it be your lifestyle and, and fit in with the rest of your life that's challenging for people. So so tell us a little bit about that. So that's actually part of my success since um, meeting Scott McFall is he talked about weight loss programs instead of the one hit hypnosis. You know, people come to us with a lifetime of problems and many hypnotists and many people think, okay, one session and I'll be cured. I'll be fixed. And that's part of their own self-sabotage because you can't change a lifetime in one session. I mean, we could change a lot. We can make a, you know, a big change even in the first session, but, but to expect all of these lifetime of habits to change in one day is like, scary. <laughs> so having programs for weight loss is probably the biggest change in what I did. And I'm not even sure I answered your question. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't you talk, like, let's hear some more stories. Like, do you have examples of clients who maybe you, you were able to prevent sabotage or you saw it coming? Or sometimes it even happens and we have to help people get out of it. So I think it would be really helpful for people to, to learn about that because they might be stuck that way too. Yeah, I think the the most often... I think the most often sabotaged person is by their significant other or, and this is from the very beginning because they'll like people who come in the screening and say, I need to go ask my husband. <laughs> and, and we do help them stop that sabotage because the husband isn't sitting in the room doing the free screening. He doesn't understand what they're going through. He's not in their body. And 
to have another person making that decision for you is one, allowing them to sabotage you. And two, your own part of your own self-sabotage. Because if you, if they don't agree with you, well then boom, you're, you're sabotaged. So right in the free screening, I will go through them with the fact that your spouse isn't here. You need to make this decision for yourself and then you need to follow it through. Um, I like, I, I just had this last week where a woman couldn't make the decision because she had to go ask her husband about the money. And we had the whole talk about how just them like agreeing or disagreeing could sabotage her. And later she texted me and said, yes, she wanted to start. And I texted her back and said, I'm not sure you're committed enough. I'm not sure you're committed to completing a program. And she went, she texted me back and goes, please, please, please let me in. Cause she had by then, you know, the sabotage was over and it was over when I said, you can't let someone else look. Someone else thinks sabotage you. So let's see other sabotage. Well, well let's stay on this a minute. Cause I think there's a lot more richness to this example. So for example, sometimes I, clients can not want to take responsibility for themselves because if they can uh, have an excuse that's external to them, like their spouse not agreeing or the money or things like that, then it's not their fault. They just, you know, they have a, an idea that they can't, they can't do it. And so the, getting them to really own it and get out of that kind of distraction, because a lot of people who come to us for weight loss, they've tried other things. They've lost weight, gained it back, lost weight, gained it back. They've been heartbroken over and over again. Maybe they feel a little silly for spending whatever money they've spent in the past on programs. But the, the truth is that diet, statistically don't work um, and we're, we're really taking a very different approach but but usually people have a habit of failure already when they come to see us so something like the money or having to talk to a partner is a great way to, to deflect from the, the truth which is that they are scared to actually own this decision and need to follow through yes Exactly. And I'm actually so glad to be having this conversation with you, Ravi, because, um, you know me, I'm, I'm like that freedom-based, self-expressive where I'll just jump in and help somebody make the change and I don't even know exactly what I'm doing. You actually run through it more logically and have the steps down. So I'll, I'll, I won't even know what I've done. And I'll talk to you on something like this and you'll be like, oh, yeah, this is exactly how it was. You're right. <laughs> I always say that, you know, knowing the satire categories, and I, I heard that you were talking about those a little bit with Scott, but blaming, placating, computing, distracting, and then leveling. A lot of times if I can just go through those and a little bit of training of that in the screening, the client has less of an ability to sabotage themselves by blaming, placating, computing, or distracting. And they'll just be like, oh, yeah, I didn't do that this week. Um, I, a really good example I had was someone who, who was concerned with the money, but she really did get committed into the program really early on. She was retired Air Force. And had just retired in the last year. So she's a young mom. She's only in her 40s. And she said, um, 
like three weeks in, four weeks in, she said, the hypnosis isn't working for me. And I called my sister and she said she did hypnosis and it didn't work for her. And she did one session for smoking. And I said, wait a minute, you know, wait, are you in this program, not in this program? And as I'm talking to her, I realized the way that the wording needed to go to her was number one, it had to be in an order. Instead of me being so soft and gentle and try this, do this, and putting it gently into a hypnosis suggestion, I actually had to give her orders in this because she's retired military, right? So I had to give her orders. And I'm on the phone with her. I said, go stand in your mirror. Go stand in your mirror. Now I want you to give yourself the order that you need to hear. Give it to yourself. She goes, what? I go, give yourself an order in the mirror. And just flipping, blaming, placating, computing, distracting into her directly, giving herself an order, has made all the difference in the world for her. She's now out, now out running like three to five miles a day, not just walking it, but running three to five miles. And she's lost a significant amount of weight. So it, it's also with us, it's about reading and understanding what the client needs when they're sabotaging themselves and catching them in that sabotage and understanding that's what they're doing. Well, I'd say that's a great example of what we call utilization, where you were using her pattern that was already in place to help her succeed. You're right. That is. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, some something else that I've seen a lot of people do is, is I get a lot of clients who are really worried about messing up. And so they, instead of learning from it, it, it becomes this really big emotional deal and they have a lot of shame associated with it or guilt associated with it. And that becomes, it, it just cycles on itself because if you feel bad about eating a chocolate bar, then you're going to go on and go eat more chocolate bars because, you know, nobody wants to feel bad. So you're going to want to escape it somehow. Yes. And you'll, and they'll do it like this. They, this is exactly how they do it. Because I ask these questions of my clients every time they come in. What are you proud of? And what do you need to focus on? And that first sentence for a while, because we're such as a society, so used to being in shame and not being proud of ourselves, they'll always say, well, I'm not proud of anything. I had a chocolate bar. <laughs> wait, wait. So you were you were eating really healthy and eating fruits, vegetables, whole grains, uh, plain meats and eating well and getting your exercise and listening to your recording of hypnosis for seven days, but one day you had a candy bar. Yeah, I had a candy bar. So that that is self-sabotage because they have all these days to be proud of what they did. And for sure, you have a candy bar. Your first reaction should be, now I need to go walk an extra 20 minutes or run an extra 20 minutes or whatever your exercise is. So yeah, people beat themselves up and that really is self-sabotage. And so there's a whole learning experience people have through learning hypnosis to look at it as just feedback. There's no failure. There's only feedback and that they can be gentler with themselves and be curious about learning. So I really look at every every time something like that happens with a client, I'm always looking for what can you learn from this and how can you do it differently next time? And exactly the, the type of example that you're giving us. And, and that's a very different relationship to what happens than saying, it's good or bad or right or wrong. Yes. 
and and really and really taking a moment to think about what you are proud of. Just that moment, if you just take one moment to think about what's working instead of what's not working and and not letting that one moment blow your whole six months of a program or eight months of a program or even the rest of your life. Yeah, because it's, it's totally unrealistic for people to think that they're never going to eat chocolate again in their whole life. So somehow they've got to learn how to interact with it differently. Yeah. And here's how I kind of stop the sabotage before it happens. Because I tell, I don't really have an eating program or a diet that I give people. I tell them I will support whatever they want, but I want them to look at fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and get all the junk out of their diet, even cleaning out their pantry. And well, that's at least another story, but I'll get there. Um, (laughs) So I say ahead of time, you know, here's what's going to happen in your program. You're going to do really, really well. And then something in life is going to happen. For example, and I always use a happy example. I don't ever use like life is going to smack you down and you're going to go eat. I use, for example, it's going to be somebody's birthday and you're going to want to have a piece of cake. Guess what? On that day, you'll have a piece of cake, one piece of cake. And even then, as you're trying the cake, you'll take the first bite and it will be fabulous. It will be like, oh my gosh, this is wonderful. You'll take the second bite. And because that flavor is in your mouth, it'll be okay. Just okay. By the third bite, you're going to be like, I think I've had enough. That's how your life is going to go from this moment on every time there's a celebration. So that leads me to two things. The first one is the pantry. To unsabotage people in the beginning I tell them to go clean out their pantry, really get the junk out, and then send me a picture of it. So I hold them accountable to it by send me the picture of your cleaned out pantry. And you can send me a before picture if you want, but because we're going to laugh at the before. But then send me the after, after it's cleaned out and all the junk and, and crap is out of your pantry. Then the second story or the second thing I want that leads me to is holidays, like we're fortunately past Easter right now. I think Mother's Day is coming up, but that's not traditionally a binge eating holiday. But as we go into, see, even 4th of July barbecues aren't necessarily binge eating holidays. But as you go into the fall, oh my gosh, you have Halloween, which is insanely sabotaging binge eating junk candy. And as soon as they get rid of all the Halloween candy, there's Thanksgiving, which is a huge binge eating holiday. I mean, and people will literally eat, <laughs> they'll eat from October 30th, Halloween, or before whenever they pick up the candy, through Thanksgiving. Then they'll binge eat through from Thanksgiving to Christmas. So when I'm coming up to a holiday, the discussion will be holiday is one day. It's only one day. It's not weeks. So plan plan accordingly. So when you're helping them plan accordingly, it's actually stopping the sabotage that they're going to do with just one more piece of candy or just one more <laughs> mashed potatoes or gravy or, you know, whatever it is on the holidays. 
That's good. Yeah. So, so let's also talk a little bit about the role of relationships in all of this, because relationships are really the most, they're the thing that causes the most stress in people's lives. And often people are eating to escape from that stress, whether they know it or not, whether they're consciously aware of it or not. And so, you know, and it could be the relationship to themselves and how they feel about themselves or to things that happened in the past or the people in their lives. So, so tell us some stories about how you help people get through that? Well, there are a lot of different kinds of relationships and sabotage with the relationships. And and you kind of hit it on the head. Sometimes it's stress. And sometimes it's the love relationship. You know, everybody's gained the the 15 pounds of love weight in a new relationship because you're happy and you're going out to dinner or your significant other brings you candy or whatever. It can be happy sabotage too. But the thing to do really is take a look at what you're doing. And, um, okay. So I, I had a client who, um, got in a good relationship and actually gained 50 pounds. And it was because she was now cooking the, the food of love. You know, she was always, putting food on her husband's plate and, and all, you know, like making happy meals for him. (laughs) And they both put on about 50 pounds and that's when they came to me. And, and I'm just started talking about, yeah, how you can have love fat too. (laughs) I mean, they even call them love handles. Right. (laughs) And, And so there's the happy sabotage of happy love. And then you have to realize that it's not about food that the the food doesn't have to be the focus of love. And in fact, it really can't be. It can't be. So then you flip into the negative sabotage where people are eating because they're either feeling out of love, they're um, eating for attention, they're eating for stress, they're eating for, okay, I'm trying to think of a really good sabotage. Connection with people. They have a lot of people in their life and they eat with them as an activity or drink. Drink lots of alcohol can also affect weight. Yeah. I actually have a funny alcohol story. And I'm not, I'm not sure it's sabotage, but one of my girlfriends rented a really big bed and breakfast. No, it wasn't bed and breakfast, but it was a, a house and it slept like, I want to say 12 people and there were eight of us that helped share the rent on this house. And then we went wine tasting and I am telling you those women that weekend ate so much food that like, and and at the end of every day, because we went wine tasting every day and, and then we would have huge amounts of food and some, it was her birthday weekend. So somebody brought a cake one night, somebody brought cupcakes the other night, like, it was nonstop food. And by the end, by the end of the weekend, they actually were begging me to unhypnotize them to stop eating crap. And of course I did just cause it was fun, but that was a fun sabotage. And every single one of them was like literally sick of food by the end of the weekend. It was a horrible binge weekend. And they were all watching me go, you know, I don't really need a piece of cake. I don't really want a cupcake. I, I drink wine all day. Like that's, I don't want to add crap to that or sugar to that. I'll just throw up. But, and, and 
Okay. Yeah. We know that we can also do a negative connection to that feeling. Yeah. That feeling of feeling so stuffed. Ooh. And so that that was very helpful that they all ate like pigs all weekend. But it was definitely friendship sabotaging. Yeah. And people associated with letting loose or rewarding themselves or being on vacation or bonding with people if other people are doing it. Yeah. But you know what? You can do that. You can bond with people and watch them get drunk. <laughs> it can be very entertaining. Yes. You don't have to do it with them. And that, that's really one of the things we often have to teach people is how can they stay connected with their loved ones and the important people in their lives while they're making these changes? Because otherwise they're crabs in a bucket. And, and sometimes when we change, the people who love us, not on purpose, will want to drag us back to the old way because it's familiar and comfortable for them. And so how can we find a way that they can get rewarded by the changes we're making too? That's true. And, and and that so brings up when someone is really doing well and losing weight and in their relationships, it, it, it invariably happens where they'll say, yeah, I, I've lost 20 pounds or whatever it is. And I did it with hypnosis. And that's when people will sabotage them and say, oh, you don't really believe about in hypnosis or I... I, I guess because I have the book out about hypnosis with kids, I've been getting a lot of mother daughter, like in this year, and mother with teenage daughters who are in need of weight loss. And I'm really finding that the mothers are sabotaging the daughters. That, um, so I'll give you an example story. One mom had already had the sleeve and lost a lot of weight. But this year, which a lot of people have, this year she was put, had put back on about 30 pounds. And her daughter was, this little girl was only 11, and she was chunky. Um, part, okay, part of what bothered me is when the girl started, and she's a, the little girl was a very, very picky eater, very, very selective. She would only eat chicken nuggets and french fries. That was about it. When she started her problem of only eating those two foods was when she was only five and her mom had the surgery. She, by the way, told me she will also eat yogurt and um, protein shakes. So literally this five-year-old was stunted into a baby food eating. Like she would only eat like a five-year-old. <laughs> and mom had gone through only eating protein shakes after her surgery. And so we had to go back and undo and teach the mom literally how to eat right while the little girl came along. You know, as soon as I'm like, by the way, she likes broccoli now because <laughs> they look like little trees. And we started actually by just adding cooked vegetables because they said, well, we guess we need to start with what a five-year-old eats and how you get your five-year-old eating healthy food. And then as we're going along, the mom is going, yeah, I, I never knew that. I never did that myself. So it was really retraining the mom how to eat, not like a five-year-old, like after her surgery. And also <laughs> what I found with all these mother-daughter combos is the daughters are a little pudgy and they do need to learn to eat correctly because they're, this one was preteen. So I, like, I'm like, she just needed to learn. 
that food tasted good. But um, like the 14-year-old and the 17-year-old that I had, they both needed to learn to control what went into their own mouth. And their moms were buying junk. Their moms were literally buying the junk that they were eating. And then I had to do some like ego strengthening so that these girls knew that because, because today in society also skinny, skinny isn't necessarily the perfect body shape. Every body shape is beautiful. And so I had to, I had to add to them that they don't have to feel fat because somebody in their family or somebody else's, they, they need to feel really good about themselves. And that comes from feeding yourself healthy and, and, moving your body, exercising, you know, cause a 14 year old, if they just get out and are active, like, cause they don't even do gym classes anymore or soccer or anything here yet. But if they just move their body, they're going to drop weight really easy. Their metabolism is so much different than say a 60 year old <laughs> or even their 50 year old moms, you know, their metabolisms are so much better, but they do need to learn to eat right and feed their body as they're coming out of teenhood, they need to be healthy. So as, as do us all, because when we start doing that, when we're a teen, usually people keep doing it as they get older. Right. One of the big themes I found, like I had a client once who, who told me that she eats her feelings, literally. <laughs> usually we find that and we figure that out for them, but Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She, she knew what she was doing, but she couldn't stop herself from doing it. And so this whole theme of self-acceptance and forgiving and uh, having a healthy relationship with ourselves is a really foundational thing that, that can sabotage people if we don't help them with that, okay? which has nothing to do with weight loss. Often weight, the, the excess weight is the symptom of that people don't accept themselves. Maybe they're under a lot of stress because they feel like they need to be a certain way and they're not that way or they're really hard on themselves or controlling about life. Um, so, and I know you you have this beautiful chant in forgiveness, Ho'oponopono hypnosis audio that you share with people. You. And so you, you have a lot of expertise in this whole forgiveness area. So tell us some stories about people who needed to make that shift and, and that that's really what helped them be able to take action on everything else. Well, I, I can tell you one really dramatic, and this one actually happened like long ago, but it really sticks in my brain because it was so empowering. And um, the woman had come to me and uh, she was really like, she had huge fear of bugs. Like she couldn't take her trash out to the curb because there might be bugs in it. And um, okay. Through Ho'oponopono, we also, she recalled that as a kid, she had, bugs in her wall like she I don't know if she actually had bugs in her wall but she thought she heard bugs in her wall and she was maybe four or five and she kept getting out of bed to go tell her parents and her dad got really furious and yelled at her and like that was her the first like true memory of her dad yelling at her not that it was a last because dads yell that they they just do but it had started this whole, like, angst. I like the word angst because it combines anger, sadness, fear, guilt, hurt, and we don't really have anything in the English language. That's, I think, a German word. But So she had created this whole 
group of problems that she just hated, right? And that caused her to eat. She said, when I feel this way, I eat. And so we did Ho'oponopono where she forgave her father for yelling at her. And she also forgave her four-year-old self for being afraid of bugs. And, okay, it wasn't the fear of bugs that was causing her to eat. It was anger. And so she called me about a week later and I said, how you doing? What's going on? And she goes, I, I, Vicki, let me tell you how fat anger is. I don't have anger anymore at my dad and I lost 12 pounds this week. So that's how people stuff their emotions. She, I don't even know she ate differently. She just quit holding on to the anger. So yes, people feed their emotions in a silly way, a silly way. You don't even know what to do with that, do you? <laughs> no, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. I've seen it many times. <laughs> that one was just so profound. Yeah. And by the way, her husband started losing weight too. And he was one of my chamber of commerce friends. And like, I did not ask him for a testimonial because he was really high in political levels there. And at the next chamber of commerce meeting at our chamber there, we always gave kudos and credits to whoever we had worked with. He literally stood on the table and said, I'm not going to say I did hypnosis, but Vicki Thomas, and look at this body. I have lost 30 pounds. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. So I got the testimonial. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. One of the things I've observed is a lot of weight loss clients tend to be very, what we call security minded, which means they get overwhelmed very easily if there's too much pressure. So when you think of the idea of being a couch potato, it's very safe to sit on your couch and watch TV and eat chips. And so there, there's a, a, a cycle that tends to happen with people. Sometimes before they gain the weight, they're not even that security minded, but they become more that way because of the weight gain. And, and so they're living by curiously through eating food because it's safe, right? Food doesn't cancel on you or disappoint you or break your heart. And, and yet, and yet it really does. Food does disappoint. It does cancel out your health yes. and it does <laughs> break your heart. In the long run, yes, that's right. But in the moment, there's that immediate gratification and people tend to be stuck in that instead of making decisions with a longer view of what's possible. So tell us some stories about how you've helped people break out of this, because we do need to help people become more about possibility, even if it's in little ways and small steps. And as they do that, they discover that things can be different and that it, it can be totally doable and safe for them to do it that way. Yeah. So I had a client who was a couch potato and um, honestly, she probably weighed 400 pounds at the beginning. And, um, she was, she told me how she, not only was she eating for self-gratification, but it really gave her a lot of happiness to order her husband to go get her something. And when he brought it to her, she felt love. And in fact, we had to get medical permission for her to start walking 25 steps to her laundry room and 25 steps back four times a day, which we did. And she did. And the first week that was just the goal 25. And, but when she came into my office and the first thing I said was, what are you proud of? 
She goes, Vicky, I did the hundred steps. I did 25 steps and it made it 200 because she did it four times a day. And when I said that was 200 steps, she said, oh my God. So she had immediate gratification every time she walked. Um, We eventually got her up to walking a lot more and she only did a six month program, but her confidence level at the end of that six months continued. And, and she said, what really broke her of literally sending her husband to get her something, even if it was a glass of water. And I, and I said, okay, I actually said this. Um, what if he just got you a glass of water? And that worked too, by golly. So really we just reframed and she then understood that him doing things for her made her feel love. And he was happy to do things for her, but he shouldn't do so much. Yeah, they could be other things. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And he really, he wanted to please her. He wanted to make her happy, but he also wanted her to get healthier. Yeah. He wanted her to lose some weight and, and live longer so that he could do things for, I mean, he, he jumped right in and was very helpful. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people who they're afraid to start working out because they're afraid of the, like they have a fear of scrutiny about it and they're afraid of how they look or comparing themselves to the other people at the gym. I remember I had this client once who she wouldn't, she wouldn't go for a walk outside or really anything. And so I took her for a walk, which we, we always say that when people take the actions, that's where they have the proof that it's working. And so I had her do it with me. And because we had that experience together, then she did, she went for a walk on her own and she admitted that she was worried that people would say, who is that obese woman walking down the street? I'm quoting her words. Um, And that when she actually went out for a walk, nobody even noticed. And she was so relieved because she could just do her thing and, and it was totally fine. And, and getting people to have that experience is so important so that they realize that this can be easier and safer than they imagined. So I, I had a woman that told me that she was eating when she was angry. Anger, anger and eating were connected. And she came in and she was actually telling me the story. And as she was telling me what made her angry, she was getting angry. And so I said, well, come on, hold on. I, you know, Starbucks is down the street. Let's go. Let's go. You can tell me the story. We'll come back. We'll do your hypnosis. So, and I just kept speeding up the walk on her so that as she's telling this angry story, and we probably walked 20 minutes and, you know, I'm pacing and pacing like, like her story. But by the time we got to the end of the 20 minutes to take the 20 minutes back, she had blown out the anger. And so I, I, we got walked back in the office and I said, so she goes, you know, we forgot to stop at Starbucks. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but where's your anger? (laughs) She's like, huh? I said, so did it feel better to walk off the anger? Literally we could have ran it off if you needed that much, but to walk off that anger and just pace it and push it and pace it. Or would you rather go get something to eat? She's like, Vicki, I feel so good right now. I, Her solution was to walk off her anger. So when we take them for a walk, it, it it's good. It's a good yeah. reason and they need that. 
Awesome. And and the big picture pattern of this, because some, some people listening, maybe they don't have a challenge with walking or fitness, but maybe it's a challenge of making some other decision like emptying out their cabinets of junk food, for example, right? Or cutting back on alcohol or whatever they need to do to lose that weight that we're, we're helping them to discover that it's doable. Yeah. So very, very recently I had a client who was sabotaging herself by ordering food in. And when she came to me, she said, if you could really help me stop drinking diet Pepsi. And I said, well, yeah, sure. But it turned out she was ordering the diet Pepsi and drinking a liter of diet Pepsi with the fast food she was ordering delivered. So I said, okay, I'll do that. I'll help you get rid of the diet Pepsi. However, you can't order in. What if you can't order in? And I, and that was what the hypnosis was about. And that's what we did. And I just saw her yesterday and it's been four weeks, no diet Pepsi and no ordering in. So sometimes their sabotage can be two things that are connected or anchored together. And when you release one, they can't do the other. Yeah. It's pretty cool when people discover things like that and, and yeah. how easy it can be when, when they actually experience something in a new way. For sure. So is there anything else that you want to share with people? Yes. I think people really need to find a hypnotist when they're stuck in their problem. Because when you get in, I think, I think Richard Bandler said this, when you get inside your own head, you only become more of you. So you have this problem and when you're trying to solve the problem, you can still only solve it by your own knowledge and your own knowledge base. And the problem, you kind of get stuck in problem. So when you have someone outside of you looking at problem, they see different solutions than you do and really probably see you clearer than you do. So you and I both know we have a mentor. We go to Scott McFall when we have a problem that we're stuck in. And he looks at it from a completely different perspective than we might. And he might add what he knows we know, but he looks at it from different. And, and then you can get outside of your problem. So if you're sabotaging yourself, whether you know it or not, see your hypnotist. Call Robbie. Call me. <laughs> we'll help. That's what we do. Great. Well, this was awesome, Vicki. Thank you so much for joining us today. I, I I had a lot of fun with this, and I think that we've shared a lot of really great examples and stories that will help people. And so I hope you had fun too. I did. I, You know, I always have fun talking with you. <laughs> <laughs> so tell people, how can they get in touch with you if they wanted to work with you as their hypnotist or get some training information or or learn more about your book? Okay, so you can find my book on Amazon, and it's 17 stories about how hypnosis rocks with kids. You can, I, I don't even know if my contact information is in there. I would have to look again. Um, you can find me on Facebook under, I'm under Rev It Up Hypnosis Centers. That's R-E-V, Rev It Up Hypnosis Centers. And when, like if I talk really fast, it sounds like rub it up, and that's not good. Um, <laughs> That's a whole different image. That's a different kind of hypnosis. Yeah, it is. So I have to say it slowly. Rev it up. Um, and I'm at www.revituphypnosis.com. My phone number is 
1-800-273-8232. Excellent. Well, this is it for today. And so until next week, bye. Thank you, Robin. Bye. Join us for next week's podcast, where comedian Tom Dreesen will share his experiences on the hypnotic power of humor for learning and relationships. With over 60 appearances on The Tonight Show and 13 years as the opening act for Frank Sinatra, Tom has honed his craft with countless audiences. He is an excellent storyteller with many fascinating stories to share. Remember to click the button to subscribe, share this podcast with a friend, and please leave us a review so you can help others to benefit from this podcast too. Until next week. You've been listening to The Hypnosis Show with Robbie Spear Miller. Tune in next time to learn more about how you can change your life with hypnosis. And if you are interested in learning more about training opportunities, go to hypnosistrainingcanada.com and schedule a free consultation.